Hey, what's going on, everyone? Kyle here, the You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast is back. We're back with another episode, and this time I only have Tom with me. Tom, where's Ed? Uh, well, so he voted out a lot of people who should have been in the Hall of Fame, and as a result, our readers got really angry, and we were forced to have to cut him out of the show. Ah, uh, <laughs> tough blow to Just Ed. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though, Tom? I Just must say... I must say, our readers, I love our readers because I've been reading some of these comments that have been happening on our YouTube for the last couple of days, discussing our podcast and our Hall of Fame discussion. I got to give props to them because let me tell you a story, Tom, and you're going to love this. Um, actually, first off, do you Google yourself from time to time? No, I don't Google myself. How arrogant do you think I am? <laughs> well, I did it for the first oh, wait. time. Wait, you do it. <laughs> No, okay. well, calm down. <laughs> first I did it for the first time in like a long time. So pretty much I just searched up Kyle, you know I got soul. And um, a lot of the posts were about, you know, our website or, or were from our website. But I came across another popular blog uh, that talks about R&B music. And this was a post from about three years ago. It was a po- post about Latoya Luckett. And I guess one of the commenters that had posted on that site, his name was Kyle as well, and he was a Beyonce fan, and he was going in on LaToya, and, you know, I started to think, is that me? Because I don't remember ever posting that, but it could be. But, as I was reading the comments, this, this Kyle guy was like, you know, Beyonce is better than LaToya, blah, blah, blah. And the following uh, commenter wrote, Oh, this is Kyle from that whack site, you know, I got so. That site will never make it. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not even me. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. So, I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, I can at least say it wasn't me, but whack site, you know, I got so. After after all Uh, these amazing interviews and podcasts we've done, I'm kind of upset here. Well, there's always going to be the haters. I'd like to hear why they think the site is whack. They probably have no good reason, except we just disagree with their opinion on something, so we can't take it personal. But, again, I gotta thank our readers, because they're a lot nicer. Um, Had a lot of cool um, comments that came through, but, Tom, there's a lot to talk about in R&B this week. You know, some of the stuff we're gonna try to save for Ed, because Ed is the music expert of all trap-related stuff, but... Um, I want to start off by talking about Bryson Tiller's album, which is an artist we don't really talk about, right, Tom? Why must we talk about that? Well, we got into a conversation with uh, one of our good friends, uh, what's his name, Audio Dope Beats on YouTube. He was telling us about um, how it's cool that Bryson, and, and for those that don't know, he released his album on Friday. Um, out of nowhere and it's pretty cool because he does sample a lot of R&B songs on there from people like Tweet to SWV to Changing Faces some of your favorites Tom Um, but he just adds trap to all of them so nothing changes (laughs) oh boy but um, Tom I gotta make a bold statement well actually our, our friend Audio Dope Beats made a very bold statement he said that Bryson Tiller will have the highest selling R&B numbers in 2017. Your thoughts on that? Well, I told you my thoughts offline. I don't even like to categorize him in the same grouping as 
traditional R&B artists, I really don't think it's the same fans, so why even consider it the same genre? But I think you were you were willing to put money on the line for this bet, and I think you were going to take another artist who would outsell him. Well, uh, well, first of all, I, we got to get Audio Dope Beats to clarify on what he means by the highest selling numbers in 2017. If, he t- if he's talking about first week or overall, and are we including streaming? Because there's so many variables that go into it. Because I can at least say right now that I believe Mary J sold more than Bryson, and as did uh, Trey, and I think Charlie Wilson as well, right, Tom? Yeah, that was all dead. So, I yep. mean. So, I mean, I guess you lose already, Audio Dope Beats. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you over gonna here. Get, he's not going to win. The, he's not going to win that Starbucks gift card anytime well, soon, I guess. Well, calm down, Tom. I'm going to say this: if he's talking about overall, I mean, that's a whole different discussion, and I'm still willing to put money on it. Audio dope beats. If you're listening right now, I'm putting my money on my boy Chris Brown. He will sell more than Bryson Tiller overall, and if I'm wrong, I will buy you a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> I I personally think you're gonna win, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I guess Bryson's numbers were impressive, but we'll discuss him more once Ed comes back. Yeah, but uh, you know, with the numbers, he ended up selling, or he's projected to sell between forty to fifty thousand in sales. But we when we include streams, which we kind of talked about last week, how everyone is streaming now, that number skyrockets to a hundred and ten thousand. That's 70,000 people streaming that album, Tom. That's kind of crazy. Is that actually how it works? I mean, that means he had 70,000 full streams of the album? Actually, I'm not even sure how it works. I got to actually, like I said last time, I just know the numbers. But the research I'll do this week and the homework I'll do is I'll find out what that number actually means. Fair enough. Because, yeah, I'm pretty sure more than 70,000 people listen to that. But you know what? I also found a life hack. And this is why I believe Chris Brown will end up selling more than Bryson Tiller. The way I a life read it, hack? It's, oh, it's a boy. life, it's a life hack, Tom. <laughs> Apparently, the more songs that you have on the album, the more songs that people will have to stream, and the more streams you have, the more it adds up to your total stream count. So Chris Brown has about forty songs on his album. I think, I think that Starbucks gift card is mine. Do you even drink Starbucks? Unfortunately, you know what? I uh, I like my frat from time to time. You know what, though? I, I've kind of gone to black coffee if I really do drink any coffee. So, mm, Wow. Yeah. It's it's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom, there was another song that came out last week. Molly Music and Jasmine Sullivan. I've, Twitter is going nuts over that song. Well, two of the top uh, artists in R&B. Two of the you know, best... I'd say best vocalist. Molly Music is awesome. We love that guy. Jasmine Sullivan, we've raved about her before. So when you get two artists like that coming together, I mean, you got to expect greatness. And they're both label mates. So that was cool to see them do a duet. And, you know, it's crazy because it doesn't seem like Molly's, Molly Music's momentum has stopped at all. I mean, his album, his last album came out about two years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think the opposite, though, actually. This album is coming out next week. And oh, I have almost feel like there, there really hasn't been much momentum. So, I mean, I, I don't even know if many people know it's coming out. I, I'll be interested to see what it does. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, my head is just wrapped all over Twitter and social media. So I don't know 
what what happens outside of social media. But it seems like people are still <laughs> rocking. I will flat out admit that to you. But it still seems like people are rocking with Maui music. So, oh yeah, he has a big following. He's an awesome artist. Yeah. Um, another song that came. There, actually, there's two songs, and I think we're gonna talk about this a little more when Ed gets back. But Tom, you ready to start trapping again? Oh boy, R and B. Our our favorite R and B artists are going towards trap music now. What is the world coming to? Well, Tom, have you ever dabbed before? No, I have not. <laughs> and have you done the nene? No, I. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Well, I think you need to start dabbing in Nene because your favorite artist, A. Marie, put out a new song called, what is it, Red Drum? Red Rum? Yeah. Murder in Reverse, I guess. Wow, I didn't even catch that. But, uh, wow, what did you think of the song? Because you're an A. Listeners out here, Tom is a diehard A. Marie fan. I mean, I love her first album. And, uh,. Come on, I, it's tough to listen to. I mean, there's not really much singing. I love her voice. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I can't hate on it. I like when artists experiment, you know. But if I was gonna give Lettucey problems for what she put out, I mean, hey Marie, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Lettucey, didn't you get into a conversation with one of our readers? Um, in our Twitter mentions, she actually said that that Lettucey song was kind of kind of dope, and it wasn't all that trendy. Well, now that I heard this A. Marie song, now that I heard this Stokely trap song with Wale, the Lettucey song actually doesn't sound too bad in comparison. So I'm actually starting to warm up to the Lettucey song. Maybe I was a little too hard on her previously. We love Lettucey, so you know it, it just seems to be getting worse every week here. <laughs> yep. Um, no, I'm. You know what? I'm still gonna defend that Lettucey song to the fullest because I actually went back and listened to that, and uh, I love the live horns on there. That's still one of my favorite things about that song. But she, she's singing on there. I don't know what. I don't know if we're listening to the same song, Tom. But she's singing on it. You're not listening to the right song, Kyle. <laughs> well, I guess I'm still mad about the uh, the other website that was calling us whack. So. Well, still dis- speaking still speaking of trap beats, though. Speaking of trap beats, one thing I love to do is read the feedback we get, uh, the comments we get on our site, uh, on our uh, on our podcast. And the, one of that recently stood out to me, and I know you caught this comment. Is um, didn't someone say we 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 were too old or something to listen to this this music? I, it was something like that. Yeah, we I forget too, his. I forget the dude's name, but he pretty much was just saying because obviously, you know, we talked about the Latoya album last week. Good album, by the way. But but my favorite on that album is Gray, and I think yours is um, My Love, right? Yeah. And those are more classic, traditional R and B songs. Um, and you know, obviously, we cater to those. But one of the readers wrote that. Uh, you know the trap stuff is actually pretty good. It's just you guys are too old now, and you don't, and you guys just don't like it for that reason. That was kind of interesting to me. Hey, um, your phone is breaking up. Do you want to reconnect or something? Um, yeah, let's do that. I couldn't really hear you.
Yo. And we're back. And we're back. Okay, where did we leave off? All right. I, I didn't really hear what you were saying. It was You were talking about LaToya, and then I think you were waiting for me to say something, but I didn't know what you, were, what you had said. Um, why don't you start again about the trapping thing? About how one of the comments said we were old. Okay. Uh, so I start the whole introduction again about yeah. the... All right. You know, one of my favorite things to do is uh, read the comments we get on the site, and especially on these podcasts. A lot of people have some good commentary and provide us with good feedback. But uh, there was one that recently stood out to me, speaking of trap music. Um, I forgot the exact comment, but, you know, I, I got I was going back and forth with one of our readers, and he was basically saying, defending the trap beats and all that, and basically saying that we were too old to, you know, we were too old because we didn't like it or something like that, so... I don't know. What did you What did you think about that? Well, Tom, I'm 27 years old. I might be the <laughs> oldest. I might be the oldest 27 year old ever because I still listen to you know my 90s R&B and my 2000s R&B. But I am not too old to listen to trap music. My problem with trap music is that. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it, obviously, but I don't. I don't think the issue is. I don't think the issue is that we're too old for it. I think we're just used to a certain quality of, of R&B, and a lot of the trap stuff. I'll be honest with you, and I think you're a lot more critical of trap than I am. But a lot of it just seems lazy. I think that's my biggest beef with it. Um, as Ed mentioned last week, the Latoya stuff wasn't actually too bad because she actually did try to sing on it. But, as you know, Tom, I'm a big believer that a song has more than just the vocals and, and all that. It has to have a melody. And the beat actually has to be a beat. It just can't be some drums with some... You know how it is with all the trap songs? They have that weird drum pattern with those weird yep. sounds. It's always like that. And to me, that just screams laziness. Um, so, again, I might be getting old, but I'm not going to put myself in that urban AC market yet. I won't let that happen. Oh, <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not going to turn this into another debate about trapping and how we feel about it. We've gone through that enough, and we'll save that for Ed next time. But there's another comment I wanted to address, and that's about Mary J. Now, last podcast, I talked about her album and how I felt, and I said it was too sad and not something I could listen to. Someone called me out on that and saying it wasn't sad. It was more about empowerment and all this, blah, blah. Well, I still stand by what I said. Maybe it's not every song is that sad and crying. But as a man who is married and happily in a relationship, these aren't songs I can relate to. I still stand by that. So I just it's just not something that the majority I can listen to on a daily basis or ever, really. So that's how I feel about it. I hope this reader can understand that perspective. You know, maybe they're going through some things in their life and they can relate to the music. I don't know. Damn. But uh, that's Tom, a, that's my opinion. You went from uh, <laughs> pre-marriage listening to Tamiya's officially officially missing you, and now all you can do is listen to Happy by Pharrell. I don't know about Happy by Pharrell. I think I heard that song uh, one hundred or two hundred too many times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so well, yeah, that was an interesting comment, but you know. 
There's some Mary J fans who go really hard for Mary J, and we respect that. For sure. Well, let me ask you, Tom. What are some of your favorite sad songs? I know you don't listen to them anymore, but what are, what, what were your go-to songs when you were sad back in the day? Oh, man. You're bringing me back into the depths, man. And you got to illustrate the setting for everyone. Was it like a dark room and you were just, you know, candles lighting everywhere and you were just listening to sad songs? Were you... We're not going there. <laughs> Let me, I will say, though, um, I can listen to Mary J's My Life, like the song. I like the song a lot. I can still listen to it. It doesn't make me sad. It's just like a vibey song that I can, you know, still listen to. It's different than a song like on Mary's new album about, you know, calling out her man and, you know, calling him this and that and whatever. It's, it's totally different to me. So, but sad songs, you know, like our all-time favorite sad songs, like One Twelve's Your Letter, I can never listen to again in my life, probably. <laughs> oh, that's a great song, Motown. You're killing me. Come on. So, but that's what that's Mary J. Now, you know, we've been really moving forward with this Hall of Fame thing, and it's been really successful so far, despite some massive controversy every week. <laughs> yep. But. The comments we get on, on it are pretty interesting because it seems like the fans think everyone is a Hall of Famer. How is that possible? Well, you know what? They almost had me convinced when uh, somebody, actually, when they were writing about Faith and Genuine, they all, I almost had to be like, Tom, we got to go back and put them in. Because this, you know what? I know a lot of people disagree with our opinion on, on these things. And you know what? Sometimes I have to second-guess myself as well. I'll, I'll be honest with you because, man, you, you and I both know it's tough. These are our favorite right. artists. Right. So. No, I know. I agree. Like, I mean, we, we all have different, um, I, guess, I guess, criteria for getting into the Hall of Fame. And I think... I think for the most part, we've been pretty much on par with each other, and, and we, we're pretty like-minded in, in our ways of thinking. But I do, you know, I will say this now as I think about it, we are way too critical about who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't. Uh, yeah, I'd say so, but that's not my fault. That's Ed's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I would put the, I would have put Monica in. I would have put Music Soul Child in. John B. I still wouldn't have put in. But that doesn't mean he's not a great artist. But uh, speaking of people convincing you, uh, when it came to Genuine, this comment almost convinced me. Of course, his stage show was crazy. No, that you're right. It. Absolutely. <laughs> that, but that was, <laughs> that was the whole comment. He should have got in because his stage show was crazy. Come on. It is, though. But that's not Hall. Someone's gonna get in the Hall of Fame because of their because. Oh, come on. Isn't isn't being an artist more than just singing in the studio? Don't they have to be able to perform live and bring a great crowd in? You're showing your true colors of being a genuine stand. Come on. You're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me if Charlie Wilson was up on stage walking, sleepwalking around, he would he would still be in the Hall of Fame. Well, no offense to Genuine. I've seen him live about ten times. I, it's not like he was one of the best performers I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, he was probably, 
You know what? He does put on a really good show, comparatively speaking. But to me, that's not enough to put him in. To me, it's like the icing on the cake. But really, it comes down to the albums for me. That's just my opinion, though. Fair enough. But you know what, Tom? I have a, I have a you know, I got so real R&B story to share with everyone. I just actually remembered this. And I think it will explain why he puts on such a great show. Um, so one of the times that I was supposed to interview him, he had just arrived at the venue. This was probably around 11.30 p.m. And he looked super tired. I think he had just got off a flight, came straight to the venue. You could see he was super tired. Um, wasn't very talkative. And then one of the servers came in with, I think it was a can of Coke in, on one hand. And then the other hand, what do they drink Coke with? Like, for all the listeners out there, I don't really drink, and Tom can attest to this, but what do you mix <laughs> Coke with? Rum? Gin? Uh, yeah, rum usually. Okay, rum. So I think it was a shot of rum on the other side. And he mixed it up and he drank it. And like two seconds later, he was like the most energetic person I've ever seen. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. That was, I was like, what? Jeez. So it's moments like these that right. you guys unfortunately don't get to see. But it's just hilarious as I think back to it. But like I said, this Hall of Fame thing is it's hard. I, I wish Ed was here today because I actually had a nomination and I'll have to save it for next time. But I had one that was really going to get you guys riled up. Uh-oh. Can't yeah. wait for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Tob, can we go back to Bryson Tiller for a second? Oh, do we have to? I think we do. And I want you to answer this one because our good friend Audio Dope Beats mentioned something like, you know, Bryson is... One of the only one that's trying to reinvent R&B, and he's trying to push the genre forward. What? I mean, I get what he's saying, but is he really pushing the genre forward? Is what's what's forward to you? Um, to me, forward is uh, like like D'Angelo pushed the genre forward. He helped usher in a new sound, which then everyone else you know, started to imitate. It was a fresh new sound, I guess, neo-soul. It was a, it was a twist on the traditional soul and the, tra- you know, more traditional R&B sound. And it was like a whole new kind of wave that started. And would you put Bryson Tiller in that category? Is he ushering in a whole new wave? Um, I mean, to an extent, I think he is. I think a lot of Usher's last album was very Bryson Tillerish, but we don't even like Usher's last album, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, remember when like Mary J, uh, you know, they called her the queen of hip hop soul. Her first couple albums really borrowed a lot of hip hop in a time when R&B wasn't really mixing with hip hop, and yeah. it, it kind of ushered in that sound. I mean, is Bryson Tiller really? revolutionizing anything in that way um you know what i I mean i kind of think that trap soul happened before bryson tiller came out right go on like that sound that he's that he's you know that 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 type of sound that he's making i think drake was already doing that it might not be exactly the same but i don't know i mean when i first heard uh don't by bryson tiller I mean, I think that's actually a pretty good record for what it is. Um, for, for, for that category of trap and B, I think it's actually a pretty good song. But 
it didn't sound to me like it was reinventing the wheel. Um, and actually, after that song, I went to listen to the album, and again, it didn't. It didn't really seem like much. Although Tom, you'll be very excited to know that he does sample um, a Street Fighter song on his uh, first <laughs> album. Impressive. So, um, and you know what? On his new album, he samples so much '90s R&B. You can tell that he actually grew up on '90s R&B, which you can't really say for a lot of artists these days that are uh, in the mainstream. But at least Bryson is that. But well, I gotta ask you this, Tom. So we were um, uh, earlier on the call. We were comparing Bryson Tiller's album sales to someone like Trey Songs, and I'm just gonna give you a perspective on what we were looking at. So Bryson Tiller's set to sell about forty to fifty thousand first week, and after you include the streams, which we still don't know how that works, he ends up at about a hundred and ten thousand. Trey Songs, on the other hand, sold about forty-five thousand first week, but including streams, he's only at seventy thousand. Why is there such a huge discrepancy? Because to me, Trey is still part of that younger generation, isn't he? So, from that sense, the streaming numbers should be pretty comparable, but it's not at all. How old is Bryson Tiller? Let me let me do my uh, Wikipedia research. You know, Trey is already past that magical age 30. He's turning 33 this year, man. I don't think he's still part of that younger generation, to be honest. Never mind. Bryson Tiller is only 24. Like, if you were to go into a high school, you know, anywhere in the country or in North America, and ask them if they listen to Bryson Tiller and or Trey Songs, I don't know if they're all listening to Trey Songs at this point. Actually, I think they probably doubt it. Man, you know how we were talking about maybe we're getting too old? Yep. Maybe we are getting too old, Tom. If Trey Songs isn't even part of the regular kids' playlist anymore, I don't even want to be part of that generation. I'm sorry. Hey, can you can you imagine this? Can you imagine in two years when Chris Brown turns 30? Oh. <laughs> imagine that. Yep. Do you think so, do you think people like Chris and Trey will ever I mean I I can see Trey doing it but do you think they'll ever go into Urban AC? No. You don't think so? And the reason I say no is because the Urban AC uh genre is shrinking every year. And probably within 10 years it'll pretty much be non-existent at the you know it'll be so small that it won't be, there will be no point. I think a new format is going to have to emerge at some point. In the next decade or so, it has to, man. No, I, I agree with you. Um, just for the millennials to fit in, people like Bobby V and Chris Brown and Mario, in a couple of years, they're not going to be able to get played on Urban. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to be competing with After 7, which, by the way, After 7 is on fire with another single that's in the top five now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Johnny Gill just charted with his fourth single in the top five it's crazy you can't put these artists in the same category no but man that's these old these older artists are doing it but i don't know tom as i'm looking at these streaming numbers it's like what can can i get into a rant right now no i gotta get into let them know take your time kyle listen (laughs) well before i get into this rant i just want to remind you tom that I follow Tyrese on Instagram. 
And when I need inspiration from time to time, I will click on his videos and just watch him rant. And I have a rant of my own. These oh, urban no. AC artists need to stop promoting their albums on only social media. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, what options do they have? I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure we can brainstorm a couple of ideas, but... Like, I look at LaToya as an example. She didn't really do any promo. I mean, she interviewed with us because we are the greatest website of all time, but the, <laughs> the promotion is just not the same anymore, and it's like... They're really relying on social media, and it's not really paying off for a lot of them. 4000 for LaToya Luckett, I know she has a bigger reach than that. She has to. Well, it's interesting because her single is charting at radio. It's in it's number six right now on Urban AC. So this is what I was talking about last week, I think it was. Her single is reaching 5.3 million people a week. That's how many people hear it on radio. Like, according to, you know, it gets 1,000 spins or whatever a week across all the stations. So 5.3 million people are hearing it, and only 4,000 people made the effort to buy it, the album. It's like, that's crazy to me. Well, I I think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is if it's reaching 5 million people... And those are the people that are listening to Urban AC Radio. We need to find out the day in the life of an Urban AC listener and what they're listening to on the radio. Because <laughs> what I'm assuming is happening, and again, I'm not part of that crowd, so I'm not really here. And I don't really listen to radio anymore. Um, that's sort of irrelevant in my generation. But Wait, Kyle, Kyle, before you continue, can you explain? People might not know what Urban AC is. Like, what what the actual format is. Right. So there's a couple of different formats. And, you know, as time has progressed, we've seen a bigger shift in it. So you have the contemporary pop music, where where it's everything that Tom Lilly listens to nowadays. Oh, yeah, thanks. What's a good pop record these days, Tom? Well, I hear pop music in the gym all the time. I I hear that stupid Bruno Mars song, like, just about every single day. Ah yes, I know. I know you love it, but I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> what about the uh, the Chainsmokers song with Coldplay? That was pretty random. Yeah, I don't even know the names to be honest. I just hear them over and over. <laughs> but so we have uh, contemporary pop. That's the top forty. That's again where Tom what Tom listens to. We have rhythmic, which is sort of a fusion between. It's sort of like the bridge between contemporary pop and urban music. Let's see what's topping that one right now. Wow, Kendrick Lamar, Humble. That song's huge. Mm. So that's sort of like the bridge. And then, of course, you have Urban, where Ed, Ed listens to all of that. That's the turn-up station. And then, you know, a little far off in a different island, you have Urban AC. That's Urban Adult Contemporary. That's, that's what I don't want to say it, but that's like the oldies station, isn't that, Tom? Yeah, pretty much. You know, you have people like Charlie Wilson, Johnny Gill, After Seven on there. Stuff that we actually grew up loving, and this is really... It's actually... Yeah, it's actually a mix of old... I hate to call them oldies. Like, 80s is oldies now. It just sounds so crazy. 70s, 80s R&B. 
And then they mix in a few new sing the new songs that are out. Yep. And that's you know for that, that that's sort of like the only format left for artists from the from the nineties, eighties, and sadly even the two thousands to really um, put out their music and have it played. So that's Urban AC for you, Tom. So yeah, I mean we talk about Urban AC all the time, but yep, that's what it is. But. Again, we have to really find out and get into the mind of an Urban AC listener. So let's say, for example, they're listening to this Urban AC station. Boys to Men, End of the Road is, is, is playing. And then after that, what's, what's one of your favorite R&B classics, Tom? Uh, how about, we'll go with uh, Donnell Jones, You Know What's Up. You Know What's Up. is what, You think that's on Urban AC? <laughs> that's a little up-temple, isn't that? They play that. Of oh. course, man. Oh, who knew? The left eye version? I think so. I don't I don't 100% listen to radio either. But we'll say they do. Okay. So, you know, listening to a Boys to Men song, Urban AC listener saying, that's my song. And then Donnell Jones song comes on, that's my jam. And then all of a sudden this new Latoya Luckett song goes on. Then what happens? Do they listen to it and say, oh, this is pretty good? And then that's the end of it, or do they say, "Oh, this is pretty good. Let me go check out this album." I'm, I have a feeling that that latter part of it isn't happening anymore. Well, I think I mentioned to you, it's like, what choice do they have to even get it? So, let's just say you're a 50 year old in your car, and you hear this Latoya Luckett song, and it's like, okay, now what do you do to go get it? You know, are you gonna? The only store really is left is Best Buy that sells physical records, maybe Target, Walmart, whatever. If you could even, those sale racks in those stores are horrible. You can't even find anything anyway. So it's like, you know, older folks might not necessarily be buying digital. We know that. So how are they even getting access to this music, even if they wanted it? For sure. And and then another point I'll say about the about the Latoya song. I don't even think it's meant for Urban AC. Back no. to Life, the single? Not at all. I don't, I, it's, so it's interesting that they're pushing it to that format. Yeah, I mean, I think the music video could be pushed to Urban AC. I really liked what she did with, you know, the music videos. It sort of put together like a TV drama type of situation. So I thought, I thought the video yeah. was well done. But the song, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's an Urban AC record song. But another right. point I think we have to realize is that and i don't know we have we have to again find out from the day in the life of an urban ac actually you know what you know who actually brought this up as well lachelle wallace i think she's actually transitioning into that urban ac lachelle if you're out there you're getting old i'm just kidding but (laughs) i think i actually have this theory that people once they hit a certain age they'll stop seeking new music and they'll just be okay with listening to their favorite tunes from the 90s and the 2000s and a lot of reasons for that because you know once people have kids their priorities change and music might not be the top pri- like i think even for us we've kind of slowed down on that front we're not listening to yeah. every new thing that's coming out i remember back in the day um every album that leaked i would download it and listen to it right away now it takes me a couple of days to get on that right so well right. how many times have you come across an r&b fan who say love john b in the 90s you know, love, they don't know, and hits like that. And then was like, oh, wow, what was the last time he released an album? 2001? Like, they literally have no clue 
that he's had any albums in the past 15 years, yep. and they were a big fan of him in the 90s. There's a huge disconnect, that I feel like. I think I'm starting to notice that disconnect with some of the 2000s artists as well. One of my great friends, um, sh- she was a huge Neo fan back in the day. And uh, the other day, she was in the car with me, and I was playing one of the songs off Nonfiction. And she was like, oh, Neo put out a new album? When was this? So. Yeah. Dude, it's a lot of work to keep up on social media. Do you realize that? Yeah. It like, is. If, you have, if you follow all your favorite artists, if you follow all your friends, you know, whoever you're following, celebrities, if you miss, like, half a day's worth of posts, you might not even know, you might not even see half the stuff that went on that day. It's crazy. No, this is absolutely true. We kind of have to tell each other what's coming out, because... Artists are, list, are are releasing music on all sorts of way, formats now. Like, Amory dropped her single off on Instagram. Yeah, and, and just, you told me about it, and that's how we got it on the site. I had no idea. Just and about half a year ago. Out. Just about half a year ago, you didn't even have an Instagram, Tom. <laughs> so, You're right about that. So, so, exactly. You would have missed out on a great trap and be... Art. You know what, though? If there was one artist that I didn't care for for to, to hear them on a trap song, it was A. Marie. Like that was out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. But life goes on, Kyle. Life goes. You're yeah. just getting old. You're getting old and grumpy like me. <sighs> man, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. So that's that's how it's going, and uh, I think it's only going to get worse. Unfortunately, yeah, and uh, our favorite artists are gonna have to find ways to. I, I I still think I say this every time. We're gonna see bigger gaps. People like Joe, they're not gonna they're gonna hint at retiring. They're just gonna put out albums every five six years just because. But that's not a source of income, you know. Latoya selling four thousand albums. How much did she invest in making the album? You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Hey, you know what though? At least your favorite artists, like a Joe, like a John B, they already have their fan base. Those nineties, um, that nineties crowd. So they're they're pretty much set for life. I'm kind of concerned about my people. It's the Mario's and the Bobby V's and the Jay Holidays. I don't know if they can sustain for a lot longer, like like your guys can. Yeah, they're uh, certainly. In a tough spot right now, but, you know, if if you think about it, you know, Bobby V's first album went gold, sold over 500,000 copies. Where are those 500,000 people now? Like, where where are they in life? What are they doing? Probably out there listening to Bryson Tiller, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) Oh, come on. No, but Tom, think about it. So, an artist like Boys to Men, they can constantly just go to Vegas and, and do a residency there, Tony Braxton as well and then people like Joe they can sort of team up with other R&B artists from the 90s like a genuine and pack an arena every weekend where does it leave my crowd? Like Mario and Jay Holiday? I mean I guess you can put them with the Joes of the world and, ha- and put together an R&B night but in 20 or 30 years like does Mario just end up being one of those like throwback nights? I love the 2000s where he comes out, sings Let Me Love You and Just a Friend, and it's on to the next one. I'm concerned here. Maybe that's what's going to happen. We have the I Love the 90s tour going on right now. Pretty soon it'll be time for I Love the 2000s throwback. <laughs> yeah, it's different, though, because like I'm looking at the I Love, two, uh, I Love 90s, and no disrespect, but people like MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice... 
Like, is it fair to say that they were gimmicks or is that offensive? No, they were gimmicks. They were gimmicks. Everyone right? knew that. Mario yeah. and like, and, and Bobby V and Pleasure P, they aren't gimmicks. They were trying to be actual artists. It's they. Got, it's just that they got caught up in the music industry, and they're going to end up just well, being pretend. They, people are just going to look at them as one-hit wonders in 20, 20 to thirty years. That's all I'm saying. Come on, man! They had a nice little tour going. This is true uh, too. What, what was, what was it called again? This was the uh, Kings of Kings of Love. Oh no! The, the alternate name that one of our readers gave it. Oh, the washed up tour. <laughs> the washed up reunion tour. Oh, I, I'm laughing not because I think that's cool to say that. It's just so sad that someone would think that. Yeah. You know, it's just messed up. Uh, I don't know, Tom. I'm not. Look, I'm not liking the outlook of this. But I got a question for you before we move on to the next one. So. We're talking about like boys to men and Tony Braxton being able to do residencies, and then I'm thinking of Janet Jackson who announced that she's doing another world tour, you know, in, in different arenas. I think she's at the Barclays um, for her next tour. Do you think Usher can pull that off in in ten to twenty years, where he can continue to do, to do arena tours? Um, probably. Uh, that's a good question. Because I can't ha- answer that right now. He has enough hits to do it, but it's weird because when people talk about Usher now, there's a distinction. There's a distinction between old school Usher and new Usher. I I don't know if there's any other artists where people make that distinction. Right. So I think that kind of boxes him into an era. If they're like, I miss the old Usher. Yeah, it's that's... weird. It's a tough one. I'm trying to think who else has that. I mean, I guess Neo to an extent has that. Um, but yeah, that it's it's a really weird thing for Usher. Like, I think he'll be able to do it, but it might also be one of those boys to men things where like people just love boys to men's old stuff and don't really care about their new stuff. So they're kind of boxed into like 1995. Man, I almost wish we could have seen Usher's career played out in two different ways. Like, if he would have gone this route after... I think, uh, do we all agree that the turning point is the um, the Here I Stand album? Yeah. Like, if he would have, after that album, just kept going into a more adult R&B sound... Yeah. I would have loved, loved to see where his career would be at now, compared to, like, where he actually is now. It would be interesting. My personal belief is I think his star power still would have started to fall off in terms of pop success. I think when he came back with Raymond versus Raymond, that was sort of him like cheating death. You know, he had, it was him being able to have one last run at superstardom, which he did to his credit. Your favorite song, OMG, yeah. hit number one. <laughs> and like he had a lot of EDM records that ended up doing well, so... I think it was a very short-sighted move, but it worked because he was able to go back on tour and he was on top of the game. And um, I, I, I don't think he regrets that decision, but I think that's when the fans started to turn on him a lot. And so, yeah. I don't know. If he had stuck with that Urban AC sound like he did with Here I Stand, man, that's a tough one. That's, that's one of the what-ifs of the world. 
But Tom, yeah, you- I wonder if... Uh, 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 we always have to talk about that, sure, but I just wonder where he's going next. It's so interesting to us. Well, first of all, he has to cut his hair, and then we can talk about that later. But, Tom, I have, an- <laughs> I have another what if for you before we get into our Hall of Fame. Okay. So, one of the conversations we've had in one of our previous podcasts is what if Genuine and Timbaland had stayed together? Yeah. My question to you today is, if Genuine and Timbaland had stayed together, what would happen to Justin Timberlake's career? Because this, <laughs> this is a guy that came from NSYNC, and we know what he's doing now. He's created some great albums with the help of Timbaland, but also the Neptunes as well. We can't forget about them. But where would Justin Timberlake be right now? That's a great question. Um, someone asked us something like that similar in a, in a comment on uh, YouTube. But... Oh, man. Maybe he would have just... Imagine if he would have just stayed the pop route and never went more of that urban route in the first place. Yeah. Is that even possible? No, I think even on his on, on NSYNC's third album, they were kind of pushing more towards an urban sound anyway. You remember, yeah. like, Gone was sort of R&B, and so was Girlfriend. So I don't... I, I think Justin was eventually going to get there, but Cry Me a River was the, the big record off Justified. That was the one that everyone remembered. Right. Um, so I don't know what, who he would have... Maybe the Neptunes would have done the whole thing. I don't know. Oh, can you imagine the Neptunes in 2003 doing even more songs for Justin Timberlake? <laughs> I know, right? It would have been so... And then then the question is, okay, well, the first album was half Neptunes, half Timbaland. What if... Because on the second album, Feature Sex Love Sound, the Neptunes weren't even on that album at all. I wonder what would have happened with Justin... Because Feature Sex Love Sound is like... That is a game-changing album, as we talked about before, but... It's just really interesting, right. these what-if moments. Like, if he had just stuck with Pharrell and Chad for that second album, what happens then with Justin's career? That's true. Yeah. Also, be interesting. I got to point out something, Tom, and this is a very sad day for you, but Chad Hugo has retired from the music industry. <laughs> he announced that on it his Twitter. It is a sad day. He announced on his Twitter that uh, he's fed up with the industry and that he quit. And then 30 seconds later, he deleted his tweet, so... I don't know if he got hacked or if he's still, you know, retiring, but apparently he's not. Apparently he's back. Do you think anyone really even noticed besides some of the biggest Neptunes fans? I'm not going to lie. I saw some of the YouTube, I mean, the Twitter comments, and another person wrote, he's still making music? (laughs) Exactly. So So, there you have it. Yep. So, on the contrary. Can I make a point about, can I make a point about Genuine though real quick? Yep. I, 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 it dawned on me after we had the last podcast where we talked about how Usher and Genuine went on different trajectories. Yep. But do you think that uh, that Genuine remained more low-key because of the fact that didn't he get married? Didn't he have a family? So, like, maybe superstardom wasn't his major goal. Like, he always seemed more low-key to me than Usher. Yeah. Like, he didn't seem like stardom, super global superstardom was his main goal. So... Maybe that's why things change. I don't know. I just looked at that too. Yeah. Um. I think another that that is a great point you make. Um. Another thing I think really is that genuine isn't really that personable. You know, like we've met him a couple of times. 
Yeah. He's not yeah. really, like, this outgoing dude. He's pretty just low-key into himself. Maybe that played a factor, because I remember when he first came out with Pony and stuff, obviously he had that pretty boy image going on, but, you know, there's really only so much you can go with that. After a while, you gotta have to, um, you know, expand on your personality so that people connect to you, but I think Genuine was just okay with being a sex symbol instead. Right. So, no, I agree. That's a good point, too. So, um, great guy, though, Genuine. He, he actually loves us. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, Tom, let's get into our Hall of Fame discussion. I know we're running a little late, and I'll tell you what. Oh, no. We can't do it without it. No, Come we can't. on. Yeah, we can't. Uh, Let me ask you, though, about, about, about something that says we're talking about Justin Timberlake. Yep. You realize his last album came out over four years ago? That's crazy, isn't it? It's been over four years already. That's crazy to me thinking about that. Four years ago was the last great year for R&B. It actually is. Uh, it's possible. Actually, you know who said that the other day? It was uh, our good friend, what is his name, Daniel? The other Asian guy. That Daniel followed. Vuong? Yeah, the other dude that followed. Vuong. Yeah, him. He tweeted that 2013 was such a great year for R&B, and I thought about him. Like, he's right. I got to dig back into that in here. 2013? Wait, hold on. Or was that 2012? This, this is pretty important. What year did Suit and Tie come out? 2013. There you go. That was actually one of the last great years for R&B. Because isn't that when uh, like Blurred Lines and all that stuff came out as well? Was that that year? I want to say it was. Yeah, because Happy came out in 2014. So yeah, Blurred Lines came out in 2013. Wow. So, yeah, he, he mentioned a lot of great songs like Ravine... Bridget Kelly, man, like you've mentioned, Tom, that was like the last, really, the last era for new R&B artists to really establish themselves, and none of them did. It was crazy. It's funny, I asked uh, I asked on Twitter for someone to name a new R&B artist who they're really feeling right now, who's under 25, and it was like crickets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Seven Streeter got a lot of love until people realized that she's over 25. Exactly. She's like almost 30. There's not many left. I mean, except for your boy. He got a lot of love. Um, Gallant. Yep. Gallant got a lot of love. And uh, now, is that how you say her name? N-A-O? Nao, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. That's another. Gallant. Let's see. Oh, crap. Bad news. Gallant is about to turn 26. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I'm actually, uh, Gallant's actually going to be coming to Vancouver on Thursday as part of the John Legend tour. Um, am I allowed to say, well, let me just say this, Tom. Off the air, I've been telling you how much I've been working, um, you know, at my day job. I've been doing 11 and 12 hour days. Well, I'm kind of excited about this John Legend album because it'll probably be the first time in a long time that I'll get a good sleep. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, uh, so messed up. That is pretty messed up. I can't wait till we nominate John Legend into the Hall of Fame so I can just annihilate him. Wow. But I will say this, Tom. I went back and because on You Know I Got So and So in Stereo, we kind of have to keep everything unbiased, so I can't really talk about something that I don't know about. And I went back and listened to John Legend's discography. You really think that second album was that great? <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what? I and this is interesting. I think it's because of the time of my in my personal life that I was in when that album came into my life. So I relate it to that time. That's why I like it. I guess does that make sense? Yeah, you must have been really happy during that time because that album. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. It, is that when you met your wife? Is this what happened? It holds special significance. That, doesn't that happen for you? You relate happy memories to music, and then like it takes you back. That's what music's all about, isn't it? No, it is. As I've mentioned before, the Pharrell uh, "In My Mind" album that was like a coming of age album for me because that was when I was about sixteen, you know, and I was starting to act a little cooler. And I was like, "Yeah, this is the album for me." So that's like the, that was the soundtrack to my life. And that album, to me, isn't very good either, so, so there we go. We're even. <laughs> We're even. <laughs> nope. um, uh, you know what? But it, that was an interesting... Uh, that, it, it was interesting that on, on Twitter, getting back to that thing I mentioned. People had no idea these artists were over 25, and they couldn't even name anyone under 25 that was good at this point. It's crazy. Yep. Man. It's, All right. Uh, someone said Luke James. I'm like, he's 32. Well, Luke James was actually part of a group back in like the early 2000s, but not yeah. a lot of people know that. But if you watch the Destiny's Child Soldier video, you can actually see Luke James there. That's kind of cool. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So, Tom, if we're not going to do the Hall of Fame discussion, can I bring a feature back? Go for it. This is your specialty. Let's bring back the food discussion. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got? Do you like spinach dip? Oh, man. That's one of my wife's specialties, but I don't like to eat anything green, so no. <laughs> well, is it acceptable as a meal to buy a bread bowl and buy spinach dip and just eat it all as a meal? Yeah, I'd say so. Bread bowls are awesome, man. Are they awesome? Um, and the reason why I asked this is because I'm trying to find out from you, Tom. We, we've both gone to college and we've had some pretty sad meals. What would you consider to be one of your sadder meals? Meals that you know aren't good for you, that probably won't fill you up, but you just have to get by. Dude, I've eaten... Oh, man. <laughs> I've eaten ramen noodles pretty much raw before. <laughs> Yum. That's pretty bad. It was like... I put it in the microwave with a little water for like 20 seconds, and it was st- still like super crunchy. I just ate it like that. Must have been some. I've actually had worse than that though. In college, oh, I had pancake mix, and I didn't have like a, um, a stove or anything, so I just like mixed it w- with the water and everything, and had like just the batter you as just, a meal. You just slurped it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do in college. Absolutely. Uh, got, what do you got? Oh man, I'm trying to think right now as you were telling me this story. Um, I'll be honest with you, I've done this once and never again will I do it. Um, I had cereal at home, but we ran out of milk. So I had to put a little bit of water in it. It was one of the sadder meals. What? Yep. <laughs> water? And I was actually inspired by uh, the, the Chris Tucker and Ice Cube movie because they actually did that in Friday. But I was like, you know, let me see what this is about. It wasn't really about anything. Oh. It, was, it was pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Yep. 
but it's all good. Tom, I got a fun fact for you before we get out of here. What do you got? At Subway, if you order... Do, do you like olives, by the way? No, no, it's horrible. <laughs> well, according to Subway's training manual, um, and I know this because I know someone that works at Subway, they're only allowed to put like six olives on a sandwich and not more or I'll still get yelled at. I wonder why. Apparently, that's what makes the recipe good. And I also probably think olives are expensive, but someone's going to have to let me know about that. Hmm. So Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, guys, I, I know this podcast isn't probably what you expected. Ed does bring a different dynamic, obviously, and Tom is rather calm on this podcast, and I had to talk a little more than I had to. But I promise you Ed will be back next week, is it, Tom? I believe so. Ed's a pretty busy man, so we're fortunate to even have him around. Yeah. But what's going on with our website? I, 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 we, I know we've had a couple of ideas that we've been trying to figure out, but what else is going on right now? It's pretty slow right now. We, you mentioned some of the new singles that are out. Uh, we'll talk next time about some of the albums coming out in, uh, in June and, and beyond. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty slow right now, to be honest. So, not much going on. Yeah, and same here. I mean, I think I've got a couple of shows coming up. John Legend being one of them. So, everyone will be very excited to hear about my experience at that. But, aside from that, not much going on. Like I said, we're going to have to really get back into the swing of things when Ed is back. Because we have a lot that we wanted to talk about this time around. But we wanted to save up. Because I know you guys love Ed's crazy... uh, responses to some of these things so we'll get back to that next time but tom i guess we're out of here right yeah well until next time peace peace